What's up, everyone? We have a new episode of the now infamously known podcast series called Have You Seen It? Where I watch a film, absorb its story and knowledge, grow in my movie buff power, and then give you some lighthearted film analysis and review of said film. I will give a simple recommendation or not for said film. We don't do a complex rating system here, folks. I'm just streamlining it for you so you can get to the good stuff that you, the listener, wants so much. When I started this podcast, my first steps were to cover all the most popular genres that everyday people enjoy watching with their friends, loved ones, family members, co-workers, if you really want to, frenemies, if you have one of those, I promise not to judge or tell anyone, <laughs> and whoever else you enjoy watching films with as a whole. This week's episode, we're going to one of the most popular popular genres out there is comedy. The stuff that makes you laugh till your sides hurt to puns that make you groan in awkwardness. There's so many subgenres and comedies alone, we can do a whole series covering them all. But for the sake of time and effort, I'll probably do that for a future episode, sports fans. This comedy has a special place in my heart with the level of humor, action sequences, and overall tribute to old school video games and more. I'm talking about the cult classic film called Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Shout name to display your movie buff power. Wait, what? I got to not write my non-verbal cues in my scripts again. This is the second time in a row. I probably should just get a teleprompter or something, but I digress. Let's dive in, fellow future movie buffs. As I mentioned, this movie has video game elements as one of the driving forces of this narrative, but I know what you're thinking. Alex, does this movie take place in a video game or people playing video games? It's a bit yes and no, unfortunately. Yes, I know it sounds confusing and will provide context to help you understand the plot of this amazing thing that is this movie. The movie in itself takes place in real life, but has video game scale fighting sequences and interactions throughout the movie. From seeing a versus title flash on the screen when Scott starts a battle, to a number displayed title card when Scott defeats an opponent and they literally turn into thousands upon thousands of coins. When they are in quotes killed it's only a means to stylize the movie as a whole in the background rather than the foreground driving force overall if that helps at all we good good Great, love it. Anyways, I digress once again. The overall plot follows a young 20-something man named Scott Pilgrim in the mystical lands of Toronto, Canada. Yes, it's indeed mystical, dear listener. The opening title card said so, so they must be right. Right? Scott is in a band, falls in love, and starts to date a new girl from New York in town named Ramona. Little does Scott know, danger surrounds him, both known and unknown to him. He learns that a league of seven evil exes have banded together in order to kill young Scott Pilgrim and control the future of Ramona's love life. Interesting. Each evil ex is more dangerous than the last, and so Scott must overcome emotional and physical challenges to be with his newfound love. One of the central elements I love about this film is a small level self awareness but none in the fourth wall breaking form of course unfortunately i know you can write an angry letter to the director to help vent your feelings over the lack of fourth wall breaking jokes it happens but the comedy bits and dialogue with scott's enemies friends family and ex-lovers are always a good time the quick cuts flashbacks title cards and other visual and verbal cues help convey how characters in the film are feeling internally compared to what they ultimately end up saying out loud with dialogue and or witty banter banter. A great example of one of my favorite running gags is whenever Scott is in an awkward situation, and he is in them very frequently, amazing, he spontaneously breaks his immediate train of thought and screams to the heaven, I gotta pee. 
and runs away. Kind of weird that being one of your weaknesses, but hey, I don't have amazing martial art abilities and or amazing powers at my disposal either. Good for him. But these comedic bits add a great way to give backstory about Scott as he interacts with everyone in different ways. The other pillar of these narrative devices that help build and deliver a fantastic and surprisingly moving love story is the action sequences between Scott and the League of Evil Exes. You think with a title called Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, they would sort out their issues with mutual respect, empathy, and understanding. No way. That's too boring. They gotta solve their problem with their fists and their feet and guitars and flaming swords? Yeah. There's video game type power-ups and gear that manifest during some of the later fights. Just roll with it, folks. Pretty much the thing on the movie. And make the story, beats, and all the other awesome good stuff come together that is amazing from beginning to end. That helps. The use of title cards, different animation styles slash drawing inspired by the original source material, and more just further displays the zaniness of this comedy and action bits throughout the film. My favorite use of these visual elements is seen as audible sound effects of the violence in real time straight out of a comic book. All the bams, oofs, whacks, pops, and everything in between is shown here, comrades. It keeps the upbeat nature and lightheartedness of the story happening smoothly, and I love that. The last element of the story I would say helps propel the narrative forward is the central plot itself. Duh! Scott's navigation of his love life from his past, his present, and how all of that determines his future. He quickly learns, like all of us in some ways, people have emotional baggage with life and dating. He turns out to be a bit of a heartbreaker, mentions a number of ex-girlfriends he has had over the course of his young life. Most of it's played for laughs. One of my favorite jokes is his current girlfriend, Ramona, and mentions a number of ex-girlfriends he has had over the course of his young life. Most of it's played off for laughs. One of my favorite jokes that involves this dynamic is Ramona and Scott are talking about, can you really get over a significant other? Is it a mutual breakup? And all over that nature, Ramona lists all of Scott's ex-girlfriends. And it's like, that one was fine. That was a mutual breakup. It's like, and Scott just continues to deflect, which is probably his one of his f best things, is he just deflects, deflects, deflects. Hey, what about Knives? She was your most recent girlfriend. How did you break up with her? And Scott immediately responds with, that was fine. She is so okay. And then you hear in the background Knives' voice in a faint, No! And I was just laughing to the point of tears. Just all the jokes just land with perfect timing. But anyways, let's get back to, back to what we're going on. But becomes an internal struggle that he must face going on forward with his journey. Why does he feel insecure about himself? Is he ready to be in a healthy dating relationship? Can he learn from his mistakes and grow as a person? Can he defeat an evil ex with psychic powers? Say what? That's right. I'm telling you for a fact that one of the evil exes Scott fights has psychic powers and is played by the famous Brandon Ralph, who also is known as Superman from the standalone film with the same name, and also in more recent years as The Atom in the CW TV shows more commonly known as The Arrowverse. The wonderful absurdness of this film that happens all the time and it embraces as their identity. Love it. You can tell how much I love this film. Overall, this film and its three major plot elements previously conveyed and its themes of growth, love, and forgiveness have a powerful yet thoughtful message in the midst of action sequences, hilarious banter, and more. Couldn't recommend this film faster enough for you, dear listener, and it's a special treat for listeners who grew up playing video games and passively watching anime. I didn't see many anime references, but if you find them, please tell me. It would make my day. Some general and helpful notes to let you know, this film has fighting sequences, suggestive dialogue, 
slash jokes, and some same-sex kissing sequences, although very brief and used for laughs, it's there. This is not a technically a family film, but I would recommend this film to teenagers and up who would be emotionally ready to watch this movie, or have parents be around when watching it with the kiddos. I think that's good enough as well. Other helpful side notes is you can watch this perfection of a film on Hulu, Amazon Prime, and anywhere else you can rent slash buy movies digitally. And or you can get a hard copy if you do not want to be bound by the growing dependency on Wi-Fi for your entertainment needs. Fight the system. We have reached the next segment we started recently called Filmology, where I provide some terms that movie buffs and others convey a specific genre, role, narrative device, and or term that is overall involved in making that sweet, sweet movie magic. This week's term is cult classic. This term is often used to categorize a film and or television series of either growing fan base after years of said film's original release date, have a small but very dedicated and sometimes vocal and overall not considered part of the mainstream fan base. Sometimes Sometimes those fan bases have the power of creating large communities, blogs, special events, conventions, and more around something they love with a burning passion. Even some fans of these cult classics get so much attention, the original creators notice what they desire the most, such as a reboot or to finish a long dead series to give closure to this dedicated fan base, and other things. Like a more recent version of this dedication is a director's cut of the Justice League film with, with Zack Snyder. That is four hours and that is a whole other episode we can do. But that's just a more recent example of cult classic fan bases making things happen for what they desire. Moving on. Some example of films that are commonly associated as cult classic films are the following. Pulp Fiction, Fight Club, The Big Lebowski, Long Live the Dude, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Side note, I just watched this film for the first time about five years ago, and it was amazing. And I was not originally wanting to watch it ever because everyone in my house school was like these are all the jokes like I heard all the jokes but I didn't know the context or timing of all the jokes so I was like I'm not watching this and then about fast forward about a couple years I had some new group of friends and then I briefly mentioned oh I've never seen Monty Python the Holy Grail and then just 40 people just stopped talking and just one person like wait what this cannot stand we're doing an impromptu movie night this weekend we're doing it now and just 40 people were just staring at me weird and I just felt awkward and I just said yes we can do the movie night and people just got excited so fast forward we ended up having the movie night I was planted in the front row so I could not miss anything and of course my college friends are immediately silly and one of them just got 40 Burger King kids crowns and we were told to wear it like royalty so just imagine 40 college students with Burger King crowns me in the front row of a, of a flat screen and I forgot all the jokes and I loved it the one with the coconuts dying of laughter great so that was just a wonderful movie experience for me thought that was worth sharing to all of you listeners but I digress once more fun people and I will give you another filmology term for you to grow in your movie buff power because why not and I love doing stuff for funsies the bonus term this week is b-roll gotta love that b-roll that means it's additional footage that visualizes what a person and or persons are describing someone something or a moment in time so here's an a example for all of you to paint a word picture so imagine you're watching a comedy and a married couple is having dinner 
The husband is telling his wife about, let's say for the fun of it, he lost his favorite nickel and is very upset about it, describing how he feels about it and the actions around this missing nickel slash shots of said thing would be considered a role or the main role. While for the sake of the silly example, shots of the husband showing the emotional reactions of losing his special nickel and, and anxiously looking for it and tearing through out the house and describing everything, finding the nickel, being anxious, being emotional, and more, is considered b-roll so with both of these elements being played out at the same time you essentially just see visualization of what the person is talking about as he's talking about it of the audio in the background so you're actually seeing the things happening than just me describing it to you so that's always cool so you actually see what he's doing slash feeling about this event in real time but also describing a past event in the present time this is a perfect narrative device to visualize past events provide backstory and or expositional information that would be helpful in some way and or provide further depth to what's going on in the plot, either minor or major detail. So there you go, dear listener. You got two filmology terms for the price of one on this episode. There you go. <laughs> now we get to the last segment of the podcast called Fun Facts, where I give you fun facts about the production itself, the movie itself, and or other side things that is fun to know about the movie to share with people you like or don't like. I won't tell you how to run your life. Anyways, some fun facts for this movie specifically is the following. Very few times do any of the main character or the rest of the cast blink throughout the course of the movie due to being told specifically not to by the director. This was meant to further sell the stylization of a video game in which characters do not typically blink. They just stare into the void or into people, whatever the things. <laughs> as well as there is a literal number shown visually that represents the introduction of each evil X as they appear. When you see the number one somewhere, first evil X shows up, two, three, etc. And the number that is visualized for Scott is the number zero because he is the current boyfriend and therefore not a current evil X. Also, you can see seven letter X's under Ramona's name on the note when Scott gets her phone number. Does he become an evil X and join the league? Well, you gotta watch the film to find out, sports fans. Lastly, there's a fun gag where they do some self-censorship. I won't tell you how or when so you can enjoy the joke for yourselves. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, that wraps up this episode of the now infamous podcast. Hope you had a good time. And we here on this podcast is always growing to provide the context you need to continue to grow in your movie buff power so you can be an almighty movie buff wizard or and or title you want to call yourself. I ain't your mama. And make all of your friends jealous with the amount of awesome movies you've seen and know. Give this movie a watch or not. I ain't your mama. Now you can tell your friends this question. Have you seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world?